Hello, good morning, and welcome once again to Alpha Omega International. Thank you for joining for our online service again. Today we are going over uh, an, another sermon from our Portraits series. Today we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. And as we have been talking about throughout this series, this is all about people like you and me who met Jesus and life was never the same again. The same is true in our story today. So if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 7, let's read the story together. I'll be beginning at verse 11. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Amen. Today's sermon from Portraits is titled, The Lord is Near. Amen. The Lord is Near. I don't know about you, you probably will feel the same way as I do, but there are many times in my life where I have realized in times that sometimes I don't read the Bible enough, or maybe I haven't been praying enough, maybe I haven't focused my life or, or, or recognized the presence of the Lord in my life and spent time with Jesus. I go through that, and when I do, of course, I, I come to the Lord and I ask for forgiveness for, for not um, doing all that I should be doing and, and studying and, and spending time in prayer. And maybe you're like that too every once in a while. And you know, many times I have prayed in the past for the Lord to sort of come back because it feels like since I've been ignoring Him or haven't been paying, paying much attention to Him, that he sort of did the same thing and he just went away. And so I, I would always pray, especially when I was a teenager, I would always pray that God would come back again and help me to feel his presence in my life again. And when I would pray that, I, I would feel a sense of his presence with me. And I would feel his forgiveness and his love and his mercy. And I always thought that he was gone, but because I prayed and called on him, he came back again. And so I have to make sure that I don't keep losing him every time I, I go through this. But you know, through all of that, and through all the years of knowing the Lord, I've come to believe and, and realize that in those times where I feel that way, and it feels like God is so far from me, that when I do pray, and then suddenly I feel his presence in my life, it's not because God was gone and just came back. I believe that I feel that because God is reminding me I've never left. I've never gone away. I've never abandoned you. 
even though you have been faithless, I have been faithful and I don't walk out on my children. And so I, I truly believe that every moment of our days and through all, all of our situations, it is true. The Lord is near. In fact, in Psalm 46, verse 1, the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The psalmist knew, especially in times of trouble, that the Lord is a very present help, always here, always with us, doesn't leave. And in the times that we need him the most, we can be assured the Lord is near. He is with us throughout all things. Praise the Lord. Well, in this sermon, the Lord is near. We're looking at Luke chapter 7. Luke 7 is a wonderful chapter. I love the stories that come from this, especially of two women. Uh, one is the widow at her son's funeral that we're reading about today. The other is a woman who was touched by Jesus, who he ministered to, and she gave him thanks by breaking open the alabaster box and, and pouring the uh, fragrance on his feet and washing them with her tears and hair. And after we have these two wonderful stories about these women, in chapter 8, it says that more women who were being touched by Jesus and healed and blessed by him, they began to follow him. They became disciples of Jesus. And so I, I love chapter 7, and I love what I read about how Jesus touched the lives of, of women. And so in this story that we read, leading up to it, we've been reading that Jesus is surrounded by his disciples, of course, but as he's traveling from one city to the next and touching and healing so many people, these new people are now gathering around him and they're following him wherever he's going. And as he's moving, he's going from Capernaum to Nain, which is a 25 mile journey. And on this journey, the crowd around him is growing and growing in multitude and growing in joy as well. And in this story, this crowd is about to meet another crowd at the city of Nain. And as we read this story, we're going to sort of follow three scenes to the story. And today we're going to see the large crowds, the Lord's compassion, and the loud cry. But let's begin with scene number one, the large crowds. Verse 11 says, Now it happened the day after that he went to the city called Nain, and many of his disciples were with him in a large crowd. Again, this crowd, it's been growing by the hour. As Jesus is touching people, they are following him. And it's swelling into such a multitude of people who are filled with joy and newfound life because of what he has done for them. But they're about to come in contact with another crowd. Verse 12 says, And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. Quite a contrast from the crowd that's with Jesus. This other crowd coming out of the city of Nain, they are joyless. They are grieving the loss 
of life. You know, funerals in the days of Jesus, such as this one that we read about, this funeral would have been attended by all the family, of course, and friends. But also, as they're leaving the city of Nain, anybody else who, were on, who was on the streets of the city watching this procession go by, they wouldn't just move out of the way and let this family come through. In honor, they would join the family. Join in honoring this family and grieving with them. And so this crowd too is swelling in multitude until it has become a large crowd. Many people are joining. There's a coffin being carried with the son of this widow. And it's, it's something like a stretcher. It's an open coffin, something like a stretcher. And as he's being carried, the crowd would stop every so often to allow other people take the honor in also doing their part in carrying this deceased man or their friend or their family member. And as they do that, they're coming out of the city filled with weeping and wailing. Many times in these funerals, they would actually hire professional weepers to come who would cry out loud. It was a way of helping the family to cry themselves and go through a grieving process and eventually through a healing process. And so you can imagine the, the wails and the cries and the weeping that's going on in the midst of this crowd. It says that it's her only son that has died. And if that's not already horrible enough, the Bible also says she was a widow, which means she's already lost her husband. Now in Jewish, Jewish culture, if a woman loses her husband, then it's up to her son, a son, to take care of her the rest of her life, to provide and to care for and to have her live with him and his family. It was up to the son to do that. Well, here we read that the son who was to take care of her is now dead and she's left with nothing and with no one. Do you remember at the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus, who was a faithful son to his mother, Mary, Jesus made sure that Mary was going to be taken care of the rest of her life. And so from the cross, he looks at Mary, who's standing with John, his beloved disciple. And he says to Mary, woman, behold your son. And he looks at John and he says, behold your mother. In other words, now that Jesus is going to die, and even though he's going to rise from the dead, eventually he's going back to heaven and Mary would be by herself. And Jesus was not going to entrust his disbelieving brothers to take care of her. Instead, he would choose his beloved disciple, someone who was his closest friend in life, somebody who loved him. He was going to entrust John to take care of his mother. And so as a faithful son, he asked John to take care of Mary. And the Bible says that from that hour, hour John took Mary to be with him and he would take care of her. That's what a faithful son would do. Now in the ministry of Jesus, we read about three funerals. The funeral of Jairus' daughter, a 12-year-old girl. We also read of Lazarus, probably the most famous funeral in all the Bible. 
and also this funeral, the widow's son. But when we read about these three funerals, did you know that at Jairus' daughter's funeral, Jesus was invited to that funeral? It was Jairus who came to get Jesus to bring her, to bring him where his daughter was. And at Lazarus' funeral, it was Martha and Mary that invited Jesus to come and see their brother. And eventually it was Mary who brought Jesus to the tomb of her brother. Jesus was invited to those two funerals, but he wasn't invited to this one. Nobody invited Jesus. Nobody went to find him, to look for him and to call him to come and be with this family. Nobody went to Jesus. It was, it's the Bible that says that Jesus went to them. It was Jesus who came near them. It wasn't the woman in this story who found Jesus, but it was Jesus who found her. And he found her in a very difficult time. It was the Lord who found this woman. And you know, I have asked myself, when I consider my relationship with Jesus, when it all began when I was eight years old, when I first believed in Jesus and, and placed my trust in Him, asked, asked God to forgive me and to give me everlasting life, I remember at that time what that was like, what that whole experience was like. But when I look back, I wonder, when I was eight years old, was it me that found Jesus? Or did Jesus find me? Well, I believe that it was Jesus who found me. It wasn't me who was looking for salvation, looking for God. It wasn't me looking for a Savior. It was the Savior who found me. There's a great story in the Gospel of John. Not only a great story, but to me it's funny because it talks about Philip, one of the first disciples of Jesus. John is explaining how Jesus called some of these first disciples. And John specifically says that Jesus found Philip and then told Philip, follow me. And Philip did. And once, Jesus, once Philip believed in Jesus, he was the Messiah, Philip ran off to go find his friend Nathanael and to tell him about Messiah. And when he found Nathanael, he said to him, we found him. We found the Messiah. Come and see. And I laugh and I say to myself, Philip, you didn't find the Messiah. The Messiah found you. Now, I'm sure that when we all talk about our relationship with Jesus, we probably do say things like, I found Jesus. I was going through this, but then I found Jesus and he saved me. And I, I understand that. I, I probably say the same thing even now. But when we truly think about how it all began, it didn't begin because we found him. It began because he found us. He loved us. He reached down to us. Praise the Lord. How often, still today, even though we are now in relationship with Jesus, how often it is that he still finds us. Even when we are not looking for him, although we should, whether it's going through joyful things or sorrowful things, we should always be looking for the Lord, looking to invite Him into our situation, 
But how often do we not do that? No, it's Jesus who graciously, mercifully, gently, and compassionately comes near us. And in this story, two worlds are about to meet. And oh, how things are about to change. Why? Because Jesus is near. The Lord is near. Number one, we have the large crowds. Number two, the Lord's compassion. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Again, it wasn't the woman who found Jesus. It was Jesus who found the woman. And again, it wasn't the woman who saw Jesus. It was Jesus that saw her. There's a great story in the Old Testament of a maidservant from Egypt named Hagar. She was the maidservant of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Because Abraham and Sarah, though they were promised by God to have a son, physically speaking, it was impossible for them to have a child. And instead of waiting on God, Sarah did the foolish thing in telling Abraham to have a child with Hagar. And then Abraham did the foolish thing in having a child with Hagar. And in the story, once Hagar was pregnant, Sarah became very bitter. She hated this woman and she dealt with her harshly. And things got so bad, Hagar couldn't take it any longer and she ran away. She ran out of the house, out of the community, over the hills, out into the wilderness, far, far away. She went running and running until finally she came to a spring and sat there. And in her loneliness, in her sadness, in her desperation, the Bible says that the Lord found her. He found her at that spring. And he said, Hagar, where are you going? And she shared with him all that had happened and what she was going through. And the Lord comforted her, promised to take care of her and the child that she would have. And he said to her, go back home. Go back to Abraham and Sarah's home. And Hagar did that. But before she left that place to go home, knowing that the Lord had found her, knowing that the Lord had been watching her this whole time and knew what she was going through, she gave the Lord thanks and praise and she called him by a new name. She called him El Roy, which literally means you are the God who sees me. And oh, how true that was. God found her. He saw her. He knew exactly what she was going through. And he touched and healed her and encouraged her. And she found new hope. In our story, it says that Jesus had compassion. He saw the woman. He found her. He saw her. And he had compassion. That word compassion, when it's used of Jesus, it comes from the Greek word splagnon. And that word literally means the spleen or the bowels, our abdominal area. It means that when Jesus had compassion, something was happening deep down in his body. It's sort of like if you've ever been afraid or excited or nervous, 
you get this feeling in your gut, in your abdominal area. You don't know where it comes from or what's exactly happening, but you feel it deep inside. Many times in America, we have the phrase butterflies in the stomach. Sometimes that's what it feels like. And anybody who's gone through a grieving process or sorrow, it is a gut, gut wrenching emotion. And we feel it somewhere deep inside. Well, when the Bible says Jesus had compassion, it's because he literally felt what they were going through. The people that he was ministering to, he felt their sorrow deep inside himself. No wonder why Isaiah would say that Jesus would be a man of sorrows and how he would carry our sorrows and bear our burdens in life. Jesus knew what people were going through. It wasn't just sympathy, it was empathy. Sympathy can mean that you feel bad for someone. Empathy is when you feel what the person is going through and do something about it whatever that might be, but it's putting yourself in their position, in their condition, putting yourself, as we say, in their shoes. My oldest daughter, Rachel, next month she'll be finishing her bachelor's degree in psychology, and she's learned a lot about counseling. And I've watched, I've witnessed Rachel in counseling. She's counseled other young people in our youth group before. And as I've watched her counsel, I've seen her empathize with other young girls. I've seen her cry with other girls, embrace them, hug them, pray for them. And then when the time of joy comes to experience joy with them as well, Rachel knows what it's like to empathize with people, have compassion for them. But there are other people that have told her, have told us, that when it comes to counseling, counselors can't empathize with people. It's not healthy because they're going to take too many burdens upon themselves and eventually they're going to burn out and become depressed and they won't be effective in their counseling. And so we heard that and we thought about that for a while. Is that true? Can having empathy actually be harmful, unhealthy to another person, especially to a counselor or a minister? And the more we thought about it, I came to the conclusion and I said to her, Rachel, as Christians, we are to be like Jesus. And if Jesus is compassionate, we are to be compassionate, literally empathizing with people, feeling their pain and sorrow as though it's our own, and then doing something about it. And so I just told Rachel, I believe you can never go wrong being like Jesus. No matter what we do in life, we can never go wrong being like Jesus. And I believe that if the burden becomes very heavy, the Lord will give you strength in due time to help you through it. But you know, when we say that, the world would say unhealthy. People would say, yeah, you shouldn't do that. That's too much for you. But from heaven's viewpoint, in God's eyes, we are to be like Jesus. And I truly believe whatever you do as a profession, as a ministry, 
how you are in your family, the way you treat a stranger. We can never go wrong being like Jesus. The Lord is full of compassion and He knows personally our pains and our sorrows. He knows them not because He is omniscient, because He's God and He knows all things. He knows because He knows what it's like to be human, to live in this world, and to go through the pains of human suffering. He knows personally what it's like to go through the things that we do. And He has compassion. The Lord had compassion for this woman and He said to her, Do not weep. Now how many of us could go into a funeral, find a woman who has lost her child, and say to her, Don't weep. We would have no right to say such a thing. But Jesus said it because He has the right to say it. He knows that in compassion, again, it's not just feeling something, but doing something about it. And Jesus knew full well what He was about to do. And what was that? It says in verse 14, Then He came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried Him stood still. And He said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. Do <laughs> you ever notice that when Jesus talked to the dead person, He always spoke to them as though they were listening? Little girl, arise. Lazarus, come forth. Or here, young man, I say to you, arise. And it says, So he who was dead sat up and he began to speak. And oh, how I wish I knew what he was saying. And it says that Jesus presented this man who was alive back from the dead. He presented him back to his mother once again. And here, to me, this is the great snapshot of the story. Here is the portrait, the beautiful portrait of it all. Jesus presenting this son back to his mother again. Because everything for this woman is about to change for the better, for the good. She has her son once again, and with her son, she will be cared for, and she will be provided for, for the rest of her life. And you know, when I read about this reunion, I'm also reminded that one day soon, that Jesus will call once again, and the dead will hear His voice, and they will rise and we who are alive will be caught up, gathered together with them to be with the Lord forever. And on that day, Jesus is going to present many of us with our loved ones once again. Loved ones that have died and that we have lost along the way. One day, very soon, my friend, the Lord will present our loved ones to us once again, and we will be filled with joy not only because we are reunited with them, but because we will be with Him forever. And I imagine as Jesus presented this son back to his mother again, I can't help but imagine that Jesus sees his own mother in this woman. He sees Mary in this woman. 
It's believed that at this time, Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, Mary's husband, was already dead at this time. And so Mary, too, was a widow. And soon, Mary would see Jesus crucified on a cross. And for three long days, she would experience all the grief and sorrow and sadness that this woman is now experiencing. Oh, but one day, three days later, in fact, Jesus would be presented to his own mother once again, and she could embrace him, seeing that her son is alive forevermore. And I believe that Jesus saw his own mother in this woman, knowing what it would be like for Mary one day, and he had great compassion. He knew what she was feeling, he carried her sorrows, and he did something about it. He raised her son from the dead. The large crowds, the Lord's compassion. And number three, the third scene, the loud cry. Verse 16 and 17, it says, Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. No longer are there two crowds, one filled with joy and one with sorrow. No, Jesus has made the two into one. And it says that fear came upon all and all of them began to cry out with a loud cry and begin to glorify God. And they celebrated with joy about what God had just done. And look at what they say. Number one, they said, a great prophet has risen among us. A great prophet, yes, but more than that. You see, a prophet in the Bible is simply a man or a woman who speaks from God. God gives his word and then they just speak on God's behalf. They speak his word. Jesus spoke from God, yes, but more than that, he didn't just speak for God. He spoke as God. Even the people who hated him and tried to arrest him, even they said when he speaks he speaks like nobody else we've ever heard before. No man speaks like him. And they also admitted that when he speaks, there is authority and there's power in his words. Why? He was a prophet, yes, but he was more than that. He was God who spoke to the people with power and authority. Did they know what they were saying? Did they truly believe in, in what they were saying? Did they realize these things? Not only that, they said God has visited his people. Once again, did they realize the truth of what they just said? Did they truly understand that yes, God had visited his people? You know, it wasn't that God was simply working through a man named Jesus and working through him touching people in the midst of him. It wasn't that. It was that God himself was drawing near. It was God who had compassion. It was God who touched the coffin of the dead man. And it was God who raised him back to life again. 
it was God himself that presented this young man back to his mother. Jesus, God, the Son. Did they truly believe in the things that they were saying, I wonder? It says this report reached all the way to Judea. And the loud cry rang even to the capital of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, where the temple was standing. That place where people would go because they desired to be near God. But they couldn't. They could only go so far. There was a veil in the temple keeping people out of the presence of God. But good news has come to all who will believe. God is here. God is among us. God, yes, has truly visited His people. And He is near. Yes, even closer than they knew. Closer than they realized. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He came and dwelt among us, as John would later say. He indeed was near. In conclusion, let me just say this. Wherever you are, whatever circumstance you are in today, the Lord sees you. He has watched you and He knows. He sees when you cry. He sees when you feel alone. He sees when you have failed. And He sees you when you are mistreated. And not only does He see you, He finds you right where you are now. It's the Lord who finds you. In fact, I believe right now, as you are listening to this, I believe that you can sense the hand of God touching right now. I believe you can sense His hand coming near you, the hand of the Lord. The same hand that touched the coffin of a dead man and brought forth new life and brought forth joy. Yes, that same hand is near you right now, reminding you that He has not left you. His hand is still at work today. His hand can still touch death and bring life. He can still touch the dead man or the dead woman and bring life once again. We who were dead in our trespasses have been made alive in Him. And whatever situation you're in the middle of right now, His hand, His healing hand can bring joy once again and healing and comfort once again. Can you sense that hand drawing near right now? Even when we have forgotten Him, He does not forget us. And even when we have been found faithless, He is still faithful and full of compassion. The Lord is near. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the comfort we receive through it and by it 
Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful story about how you had compassion on this woman and changed her life forever. Lord, I pray right now that you would remind all those who are listening that you are near, that you are the one that finds us when we are in great need. And when you find us, you come near. You see what we go through and you come near. And a lot of times when you come near, it's at the point where we, where we need you the most. And so God, I, I pray for that man or that woman who's listening now, whatever they may be going through, help them to know that even in their valley of the shadow of death, you are near, you are with them. Your rod and your staff, with it you will comfort them. You will prepare a table for them, even in the presence of their enemies. And I believe that right now you will fill them, fill their cup until they are overflowing with love, joy, and peace. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you do in our life. Thank you that you don't abandon us. And in every hour of need, you are indeed a very present help. Thank you, God, that we can depend on you. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you. Thank you, Lord, that you are our Savior. Lord, I pray that we all, especially in this time that we live in now, may we all be reminded just how close you are. Thank you, Lord. You are so good to us and so merciful full of compassion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, the Lord is compassionate. Yes, the Lord is near. Until next time, hope to see you again for our next sermon online. Until then, may God bless you and keep you, shine His face upon you, be gracious, merciful to you, and may you know the peace of God that will only come through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who says, I am near. Amen. God bless you.